Recruitment Journeys is brought to you in partnership with Vincere, the all-in-one CRM for ambitious recruitment businesses. No matter what your recruitment journey is, whether it's contract, temp, exec search or perm, if you're looking for a new breed of tech partner to help accelerate growth, speak to Vincere. Visit vincere.io forward slash mint for an exclusive offer for all subscribers of this podcast. Welcome to series two of Recruitment Journeys. This is the podcast series where we speak to selected identities of the Australian recruitment industry about their chosen career paths and their own recruitment journeys in the hope to inform, inspire and motivate others in the recruitment industry. My name is Pete Watson from Mint R2R and we've been placing recruiters into the UK, the US and Australia since 2004. So if you're a recruiter and you're thinking about your next career chapter or your future recruitment journey, and you just want to hear how others did it before you, then please sit back and enjoy Recruitment Journeys. How do you run a successful recruitment business in partnership with a mate? Should friends even go into partnership together in the first place? Or is it better to go into battle side by side with a complete stranger? And what is the secret to a successful working partnership in recruitment? Well, all of these questions and more are answered in this very candid and very funny conversation with the managing directors of Design and Build and Public Sector People, Andrew McGregor and Tom Dumper. The boys were very open, honest and very, very candid about their personal career journeys that saw them start their recruitment careers together at MatchTech in the UK back in the day only to rejoin forces as young-ish recruitment executives at Design and Build. Great episode, great fun, great banter. This is episode 10 of series 2 of Recruitment Journeys, titled The Successful Recruitment Partnership. Hope you enjoy it. Andy McGregor, Tom Dumper from Design and Build in PSP. Good afternoon. Welcome to Recruitment Journeys. How are you doing? Thanks, Pete. Thanks for having us. Hello, Pete. It's lovely to see you again. <laughs> I feel like you're here under duress already. <laughs> Let's get in the spirit of things. Not at all. Lads, thank you very much for being involved. Um, I know I've, uh, I've harassed you a bit to do this. Um, and it's taken me a few weeks to get into your diary, but... Uh, Understandably, where you, you, you've been dealing with this little thing called uh, COVID nineteen, like the rest of us. <coughs> so, <laughs> as he as he as he coughs into his armpit, and then sanitizes. <laughs> but uh, where are you? you? You're both working from home today. No, I'm in the office. Yeah, yeah, okay, we're so in Sydney, obviously, aren't we? So we're uh, we're uh, in a in a slightly different place right now. Are you guys, you're not, you're not all back 100%? Are you doing it in stages? Uh, no, we basically went A and B team um, from the last four weeks and then went optional. So that's sort of the process at the moment is that you guys have chosen to come in, um, but our office is set out in such a way that it's more than enough space between each consultant. Mm. Um, and before we made that decision, we really asked them around the travel to work and whether or not they were safe to do so and felt safe to do so and I think the resounding 
sort of conversation was get me back to the office now mm. and so it was um decided that's what we were going to do because obviously regrettably in melbourne it's a bit of a different story at the moment yeah been doing my catch-ups this week i think there's plenty of jealous people who are very keen to get out of their second bedrooms off their beds into proper office environments and see some people again it's a bit of a, a lonely job recruitment and i think you'd be used to it after what 10 years working from home <sighs> mate you're making me sound like a pathetic little one-man band you know working from the working from the from the kitchen table but actually tom it's 16 years to be to be exact <laughs> But I'm about to say, you, you were a 2004, weren't you? So, yeah. same time as Design and Build. Yeah, yeah. Oh, all, all joking aside, lockdown for me hasn't changed that much. I mean, obviously, it's a rubbish situation that we're all going through, but I've been working on my own uh, for, for well over a decade. It's, uh, I don't know why everybody's whinging about it. I joke, <laughs> I jest, I jest. You say that. I mean, if I look at you and your hair, your clean skin, your white teeth... Oh. And then I look at Tom and I, I think maybe actually working just for yourself and not having a business partner might have actually been a better thing for me. And I might have there have straight teeth and clean teeth. So, uh, yeah, yeah. I, th I think you would have, you would have demised anyway. Um, <laughs> now lads, let's, let's get into it. Thank you very much for being involved in Recruitment Journeys, the podcast series. This is, uh, this is series two. I can't believe it's taken me till series two to, to speak to you boys. Um, I've already given the listeners and the viewers a bit of an introduction as, as, as to who you boys are, but uh, in your own words, would you mind introducing yourselves? Tom, would you go first, please? Oh, big pressure. Um, pressure. Number, so I've been with Design and Build PSP just over six years. Um, previous to that was with the behemoth that was Randstad and then Matchtech in the UK. So third version of recruitment for me, I guess. Um, I look after the operational side for DMB and PSP and then head up the PSP side of the business for us. Um, enjoy being at home. I, my daughter is due to wake up in the next 10 minutes. So if you hear crying in the background, it's potentially me. If not, it will be her. So something to look forward to for us all. Thank you, mate. Right. Andy Mark. I, I can't believe you let him go first. I think there's an unwritten rule that I always go first in these things. So I'm already I, I, that, upset. That, that's why I interjected, because I knew that if I didn't allow Tom in first, he'd have no chance. Yeah. Um, Yes, thanks for that, Pete. Uh, yeah, obviously, um, Andrew McGregor. Um, I've been with Design and Build for 10 years. Um, originally started as a consultant uh, in Melbourne before relocated to Sydney in 2012, where I moved into a state manager role. And then I've been fortunate over the last eight years to progress into sort of a, a social director, director, now managing director role for the business. Um, prior to that, I also worked for MaxTech in the UK for four years. Um, so I was recruiting highway engineers. Tom was recruiting bridge engineers. And to put it bluntly, we hated each other. Um, so I'm really pleased to be here today with Tom to talk about that journey and his awful behaviour in demarcating highway engineers into bridge engineers, etc. else. <laughs> well, we're going we're, we're gonna to get into that. We're going to get into how you can turn hatred into love uh, <laughs> down the track. Um, so boys, just to, just to quickly explain the concept of the Recruitment Journeys podcast series to um, the, the three or four people out there who may not yet have heard it. Um, as it says on the tin, it's about, it's about your recruitment journey. So we speak to uh, selected identities from the Australian recruitment industry, uh, and we just have a good old chat about their recruitment journey in the hope to educate, motivate, dare I say it, inspire recruiters, young recruiters, 
um, who will look at the, the giants of the industry <laughs> and, and think, think, how can I emulate that man's career, that woman's career? We probably won't achieve that here today. <laughs> that is definitely not in previous conversations, that's what we've tried to do. <laughs> it, it, it's funny, when you said series two, I thought you said the serious series. I was like, this is not going to be serious. Um, so I'm pleased to clarify it was series two, not serious. No, come on, let's keep it, let's keep it professional. So lads, <laughs> to, to, to have this conversation, I need, you, I need to put you into, into a category, into a box. And um, the, the, the box that I'm putting you into is the, the successful business partnership. With all, all joking aside, you do run a very respected, uh, very successful property construction recruitment business and have done for quite a few years. Um, but it didn't happen overnight. Um, I've, I, look, I've, I've always, we touched on this earlier, I've always been very interested in, in business partnerships in general, but I think in the recruitment industry, you see a lot of um, business partnerships that have been established by people who have worked together previously. Um, and they do very well, you know, off the top of my head, um, yeah, businesses like Six Degrees, came out of Michael Page, directors, Chapman Carter, Michael Page directors, Four Quarters, Robert Half directors. So there's plenty of examples of groups of, of, of partners, directors who have worked together in a previous life. But that didn't necessarily apply to you two chaps. No. So my first question would be, so let, let, let's, just, let's just get the, the history line correct. Andy, you started with Design and Build and, and earned your stripes um, when Tom was working at Randstad, right? So you were already uh, in the business, you'd done the hard yards, you'd earned your stripes, you were in the position of New South Wales State Manager for a couple of years before Tom even walked through the door. Now, if I've got my dates correct, Tom, you joined April 2014, is that correct? Yeah, that's right. Okay. At which point, Andy, you were sitting in the New South Wales State Manager role. You essentially, at that exact date, also become Associate Director for New South Wales, and the rest is, is history. But going back in time, did you know each other before Tom joined, or did you know of each other before Tom joined? I'll so, take this question. After you, Andrew. That's all <laughs> he's asking me about my time and in my stripes before you came and ruined it. Yeah. No. So did we know each other? Yes. Um, Tom had been working for Matchtech in the UK for what was it a year prior to myself joining? Um, so we worked together probably for around I'd say eighteen months, maybe around that time before Tom moved on in the UK. So there was, um, we, we already knew each other. We worked in separate teams. Matchtech was a very uh, boisterous organization back then. Um, so how, how, how did you fit in then? <laughs> I know, how did I fit into it? But it was, um, what was it? 240 people in a single site, wow. about 180 consultants in a single site, um, three floors, top floor was the built environment pretty much boys brigade at that point. Um, and um, it was very ego driven, bash the phone, yada, yada, yada. So, you know, me walking through the door was perfectly fine by all accounts, as Tom would say. So uh, we had a relationship, yes, we, we knew each other from then. And furthermore, when I actually first moved to Melbourne in 2010, I actually reached out to Tom to sort of say, you know, obviously just moved here recently and 
we had a couple of games of golf and he was better than me at the time. So I quickly stopped talking to him um, and formed my own friendships. And then we did speak again for the next four years until we joined Design and Build. So you, so you did have history. So I said, look, I, I, didn't, I didn't know this. I, I was, um, I didn't know, you was playing golf, golf buddies. Well, this was, ruins like six of my questions. No, well, it was, the, it was a driving range and Tom could hit it further than me and straighter than me. And, and at that point, I, was, I didn't like him anyway. So why am I playing? But no, no. So uh, no, we just, um, we, we, had, we, we knew each other. And there was always, you know, there was a little bit of contact, but it was never in the same circle of friends. Um, we didn't necessarily catch up. Um, it was only upon when um, I got a text from Neil at five o'clock in the morning, uh, I think it was in March 2012, or 14, sorry, saying I need to talk to you right now. And I thought, oh, this is me getting let go. <laughs> and, and then subsequently he said, look, I think I need to let you know that Tom's joining the business and you're also going to be coming an associate director. So I've actually got Tom to thank for my promotion. So thanks for that, Tom. So, so, okay, so you weren't privy to the fact that he was talking to Neil. Neil, by the way, to anybody who doesn't know, Neil's the, the founder of Design and Build, who's now gone back to the UK. And his, yeah. his decision to go back to the UK has, you know, correct me if you disagree, kind of propelled you two into, uh, you know, wonderful career positions. So, um, so, Tom, you didn't think to pick up the phone uh, to Andy during your interview process and say, mate, give me some dirt, is this a good move for me? I think, or, or, is, or is it because you had no respect for Andy's decision, uh, opinions? I think, to be honest, my exact words for Neil was, have you spoken to Andy about this? It's not like we got on last time we chatted. Um, so Andy and I, we saw each other when he first around, but we didn't speak to each other for probably four years, I'd say. Definitely three years before we joined the business. <laughs> and when we say we worked together, the office was quite large. And, so we would probably have seen each other in the UK, maybe at end of quarter functions, mm. pretty regularly, and end of month functions would be better at match tech. So we, there wasn't this massive personal relationship. When he came out, we probably saw each other what, three times. Mm. Um, I knew of other people at Design and Build who I'd either tried to poach to take to Randstad, which was quite a few of them at the time, um, or through the network and, and relationships that side. So no, I didn't speak to Andy at all when Neil, Neil broached the subject, I think. So Andy, when you got that call, that text at 5 a.m. saying, I need to talk to you, uh, and he said, I'm bringing Tom Dumper into the business. Being honest, what was your reaction? What, was your, what were your first words? Do you know, I, I look back then, and what people probably don't know is that the first two years of being in Sydney was probably my hardest two years of my career. Yeah. I had seen so many highs and lows at that time, and we were just, starting to turn the business around and I kind of had a sense that Matt, the other the, the director at the time was potentially going to the UK. Um, but when Neil told me, I, I wasn't generally that concerned. I, I wasn't necessarily worried. Um, I think I was more uh, being selfish. I was really happy that I could see there was this next opportunity for me to really drive the New South Wales business forward um, in a way that I wanted to try and drive it forward. And also, with respect to Neil and Matt and Mel, um, I think Tom coming in, I immediately realised that it was going to be a fresh, fresh set of eyes um, around what we could achieve in Victoria. And in fact, I think I texted Tom probably pretty much an hour after the phone call with Neil and said, I had to find his number. I had to literally dig out it. I was like, I'm not even on my phone. And I texted Tom and I was like, mate, you know, obviously Neil's passed the news. I'm really pleased and looking forward to, to working with you in the, in the coming weeks. 
what was that what was that first conversation like or, or first face-to-face meeting where you both sat down as as young-ish recruitment executives uh with you know aspirations to take over the world what was our first meeting like is should we tell about sydney tom i think that was that was later on that wasn't the first one the first one was good i think what match tech did it was set a set of ground rules on how we approach things even now i think like they're very big on their ratios they're very big on understanding what works what doesn't so we've got a lot of commonality in that I think we've got pretty different approaches in other things, which anyone who's probably spoken to us both would agree with that. Um, but there's a really commonality of grounding, which then makes making decisions really easy. So I think we came in and I think in my first six months, we did a new computer system. I did an office move. I did a divorce with Granite. Um, it's definitely a divorce. Um, so it was a, it was a full on experience back at the time. So um, I think at the time we needed each other. Like we lent on each other pretty heavily. Oh, that's um, nice. Just, See, that was nice. Tom's showing his authentic self there. That was like, yeah. <laughs> uh, oh, that's good. Okay. And it, so, and it, okay. So, given the fact that you, you know each other from old, um, but there's definitely a, a, a period and a process of um, reacquainting yourselves, shall we say? How how quick was it where you started to realise that you could be? a yin to a yang and you had you, you trying to find each other's complementary skills um how, how quickly did that process happen or did you just sit down and talk about it and, and, and work it out this is what i'm good at this is what i'm good at i think that what we're good at and what we aren't good at probably took four years um <laughs> it took a lot of time well you still haven't had that conversation <laughs> yeah no we definitely had the conversation i think when the roles changed, and we'll probably talk about that a bit later, the roles changed about 18 months ago. Yeah, That's been a big step in for, for both of us, I think. Um, but we, we talked often about the fact we both did each other's work and we both do the same thing. And we both be in the same parts of the business trying to make the same changes and the cohesion wasn't probably where we wanted it to be. That being said, we would have spoken in that first three months, 10 times a day, every day, all day, about everything and everything. I remember the first 18 months, I worked six-day weeks for 18 months, every, every week, six days, because you had so much stuff to do. And I think we were both driven by growth. We wanted to grow something. We didn't want to, we've never been mad up on profit. It's been more about growing the business and creating something that's sustainable. And I think we've both been of that mindset. We've both wanted to grow something together, uh, which has been good. And then on the very rare occasions we disagree with the advantage of having Neil as the referee in the middle, it's good. Were there any 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 early doors disagreements or any obvious you know situations where you weren't on the same page? Um, if I could just jump into this, the question beforehand, when you asked about you know where you could see the yin and the yang, the the, the, the pros and cons. Mm. I think for me it was more that when Tom and I sat down in June or July of that year. Tom said, look, we need to set a plan. We need to think about what we're trying to achieve in the next five years. And I had about three items on that plan and he came in about 17 and I immediately thought, okay, <laughs> maybe there's a bit of a gap here for me. So maybe I need to listen a little bit. Um, so speaking honestly, I think that immediately said to me, do you know what? There is a lot of drive and a lot of passion behind you know, who I am and, and what I do but you need that person next to you to guide you and start to say, well, have you considered X, Y, and Z? Um, for me, it was more about Andy, if you considered A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, or, you know, the whole Senate, you know, alphabet. But that's where I immediately saw that there was a, yeah, this is definitely gonna help um, design and build. Cause you know, I felt for the ter- first two versions, 
there were different versions. Neil and Claire was great business in terms of culture and bringing the team and letting people crack on and get on with it. Mm. And then there was a hard version too, where it was post GFC, it was hard for Matt and Mel to get the business moving forward. And so even before we went into that version, Tom was like, this is what we need to try think about setting out. And then immediately, obviously, started to talk more about government. You know, hey, we're going to really create a more sustainable business. Then we need to give this not just some, some attention, but a real focus. And that immediately said, this business is changing. You know, because there was a time for me where I, I thought, mm, is this for me? Is this the business for me? Is this going to get me to the places where I'd like to get to? But then as soon as Tom started talking around some of those plans, I was like, yeah, this is going to happen. And this could happen. So going back to that question, that for me is when I saw an immediate match, if you want to call it that. And like Tom said, yes, we've got very different styles, but we're both focused on the same goal, mm. which is what's most important. Okay. It's very much like a, um, <clears throat> you would know better than me, but it's very much like a, a marriage, this, isn't it? It's like a, it's like a relationship. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. And we ended up looking like each other a little bit as well. <laughs> Either you're going to have to put on some kilos or I'm going to have to lose some. I don't know which way I'm going to have to. I don't know. But yeah, well, sorry, Pete. Or, or you might have to grow some hair, Andy. <laughs> yeah, not going to happen. Not going to happen. So, so, so like a marriage, like a relationship, do you, um, how does it work? You know, if, 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 you, if you see or you feel like one of them is, I don't know, maybe making a mistake, um, you don't like the, the, the route that they seem to be going down, you don't like some decisions that they're making, but you know you, you're respectfully standing back. Um, but at some point, is your is your relationship such that you can ring the other one up and say, "Mate, pull your head in," or "Mate, what the fuck are you doing?" Did did those conversations happen regularly? Yeah, I'd say every other week, probably. But um, I think the whole relationship's built on the truth and always the truth. So both of us feel super comfortable that even if we disagree on a point, we can tell each other the whole truth of how we feel about anything. Which means that, yeah, sometimes egos get dented on the way through a bit, but then we get over it and we move on. Because both of us know that where we're trying to go is what we believe is the best thing for the business. So Andy might have one view of that, I might have one view of that, and we'll clash on that. And I think any business partner says they don't disagree on stuff, either doesn't care or isn't trying. I think there is a clash because you've got to have your own personal beliefs of what's going to make your business the best possible mm. business. So in that, there's points where you have friction and that friction is best talked out and discussed. If you bottle up the friction, for me, all you're doing is carrying that into the next meeting and the next discussion and the next discussion. I'm much more interested in being able to pick up the phone to Andy and say, I don't agree with how you've done this. Or Andy picks up the phone to me and says, you're not delivering here, here and here. That's a two-way street. And if both of you carry that through all the time and never move past that, you're stopping the business from growing, in my opinion. You're stopping from getting real information. Um, and I think it's really important that you get real information. Who's, who's better place to give you absolute honest feedback than the person you're in business with? No one else is going to do it. The people who work for you want their next promotion, want their next opportunity. They're going to get on board to a point. They'll give you some feedback. And if you encourage the culture, they'll give you good feedback. It tends to still be a bit reserved at how they give it. I don't have to be reserved with Andy. I can tell Andy exactly what I think about whatever's happening in the business, and I think that's really healthy. Other business relationships, I'm sure, would find it different to how we, we do things, and they would air their grievances potentially differently, but I think it's a really powerful way of speaking. And it's the same with Neil as well when we have our conversations there. The truth is 
is all that matters really. If the truth is there, then we can work on the rest. And all of us want to work with each other, which I think is really important because that means you'll get past any issue you have along the way. But it's definitely a different business environment. I was Ramsay, obviously, and went through a very different environment previous to this, where it is more corporate and more, you've got to be careful not to say the wrong thing to the wrong person, lives, your career aspirations can go down the toilet and those types of environments. That's not our environment. Our environment is we are working towards the best thing. And so if you say what's on your mind and say it with passion and reason and why you're doing it, that's the best outcome for us. And we really encourage that from the people in our teams as well to tell us what they're thinking and tell us why they like something or why they don't. It's super important. And the leadership team in both sides of the business, who, when they embrace that, we get best results. There's no way you can beat that answer, Andy Mack. That was, uh, that was, that was pretty, pretty inspirational. You know when you said that, only you've prepared for this meeting. I reckon he's got just behind the screen. Uh, it's just this whole speech set up like blah 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 blah. <laughs> Honestly, oh, was, talk about still my thunder. That was brilliant. Yeah. So you know me better than that, Andy. <laughs> yeah, you don't definitely don't practice the seven Ps, that's for sure. But no, um, yeah, Tom, you know, to add to his comment, um, the whole phrase we've always used is leave no grey areas which is in a marriage sometimes you tend to withhold and hold back on stuff and a friendship you don't necessarily air all your views and opinions and then one day you do and you know all hell breaks loose uh whereas for us i think we've been able to curate that relationship of we always know where each other stands and it's the same with neil when we catch up with neil it's you don't come off the call thinking you and i'm not going to swear on this one i'm going to try not to you come off thinking okay cool well at least i know where they stand and i think in any employee relationship and any personal relationship when you don't know where you stand with things that that creates doubt which creates mistrust yeah um and, and again if you if you think about what we're trying to achieve as a business around our vision and our mission but mostly our values our values are all based around how realistically tom and i interact with each other along with neil which is honest communication feedback care and focus so yeah sometimes we give it to each other and we give it to each other direct but we also share with care you know we try and ensure also that any feedback is focused i.e there's there's facts behind it it's not just you're doing crap, mate. There's, well, hey, have, you know, let's review what we discussed and talked about, and that's not being achieved, so what are we going to do? Not, yeah, you're just doing crap, mate, because I think you are. Um, so that's what I'd add to Tom's is it's very much, that's why it's worked for us. Do you think business partners can be friends? And, and do you think friends who started out as friends should go into business together? Well, we're more friends. We're, we're lovers now. So, I mean, you know. <laughs> but, um, of course. Don't, don't, um, don't text me later and ask me to edit that out, because I won't. <laughs> of course you can. Um, you know, obviously, from what I see, yes, Tom and I weren't necessarily friends, but we've become friends. You know, we, we, we consult each other, we look out for each other, not just professionally, but personally as well. Mm. Um, but I think it comes back to separating the two and, and then putting your ego to one side as well. You know, you kind of need to look out for your best mates as well, right? You kind of need to sometimes pull your best mate aside and say, hey, pull your head in. You mm. know, and I think many friendships don't have that. So potentially this a business partnership, which you can have that open relationship and open communication could translate into a very good friendship as well. And, you know, my mm. best mate, he'll be happy to tell you when I'm being a bit of a dick. But you know, um, that's a good thing. Of course, it is. Yeah. But it comes you back go to through, sorry, you go through too many things in business, even in the six 
issues with and everything else. You're in too many things in each other's lives to not be friends. Mm. And to not have what you're doing that life. I mean, in the last 18 months, to look at what working looks like with a child, that's complex as, <laughs> whilst trying to run a business, whilst trying to keep partners happy when you're traveling all across Australia, whilst having children, whilst dealing with COVID, like all of those things that you need to lean on each other for advice. On. How did you manage this? Or how's your partner going with the fact that you're away again for the sixth week in a row and you're not there and you're doing all of that stuff's good advice to have and just to remind each other to say thank you every now and again and, and that type of stuff. I think it's all really, really good. So, so with that in mind, <clears throat> do you feel um, quite lucky, quite fortunate that Neil basically selected the two of you and it has worked out so well do you put that down to some amazing genius business recruitment foresight from neil or are you guys just lucky that this has worked um i look at it as two things i think the way neil has set the thing up has set it up to work so i interviewed with neil for about 35 minutes before i took the job so it wasn't some in-depth interview to find my perfect match with andy um and he knew of me through fair being in the industry for as long, I guess. Um, but I think what he does is he absolutely trusts the people running the business. He is, as he keeps telling us, tens of thousands of miles away, normally on holiday. Um, so he has to allow us to run the business for him. And he does an amazing job of doing that. He's there, as he says, I'm there to give an opinion, but not the final opinion. Considering he's still the major shareholder of the business, he, he's role in it is to allow us to be successful and i think that's what forged and like forged the relationship because we treat it as our business and so therefore we want the best for it in everything we do um so i think he set it up really well and he encourages that and i think he's a really good sounding board for both of us when we don't agree on things he doesn't tend to give us the answer he tends to try and push us to think for it ourselves so it's good it's like having a i call him the non-executive director i don't mean like that title but um, it is like having someone there that you can go to and have that opinion on, which helps drive the relationship, I think. Um, and he, he's a big people person. He, he truly believes in the, the relationship that we have is what's going to drive the business. So he's big at taking us out and looking after us when he comes over and making sure we do have that social time together. And I think anyone who's worked for any guys in the business and or for Neil will say that we're super generous in terms of taking people out and terms of doing stuff that forwards that team culture. Even people who leave the business stay lifelong friends together as that stuff types to happens, and I think that's where he's one of his big strengths. So, lies. Mm. At what point, though? At what? Because surely, when you were, when you joined the business, uh, Tom as an associate director and, and Andy, you were promoted, having earned your stripes and put in all the hard yards that Tom didn't do. Um, <laughs> presumably, Neil didn't just hand the business over to you and say, there you go, boys, crack on, do what you've got to do. How quickly did he say, it's all yours, run with it? Um, it what, you know, Pete, it was a pretty much a case of, you know, guys, it's on you now and I'm, I'm here to support you and, and advise and, and update me and keep me in the loop as to what's going on. But there was never a don't wow. hire this person, don't not do this, don't let this, you know, et cetera. So it was always very much, well, I trust you guys to do the job because you've been selected to do it. Mm. Um, I think what dawned on him, obviously, after a period, a couple of years of being associate directors was all the risk was on him as well. So if Tom and I 
then made a mistake or did something a bit silly, he was he was carrying on the risk. Um, but also someone I obviously probably wanted, you know, a bigger part in the business in terms of equity and shareholding. But no, I I, I always felt with Neil it was, you know, I trust you to do the job, you've been selected to do it. So go and do it. And in fact, on occasion, it's kind of reminded me of that a few times. It's like, mate, this is this is on you, this is your job. This is what you've been selected to do. So go and make the decision and be okay with making mistakes along the way. And you asked earlier about how many times people picked up the phone to, you know, have a go at someone. My phone definitely rang more than Tom's did in terms of making bad mistakes along the way. So, you know, and, and people sometimes ask me, you know, how it feels to be where I am today. And there's no doubt at all addressing the second question around luck is, would I be where I was today without Neil and Tom? 100% no. Absolutely no way no. Would I be where I am today? So I think, you know, don't you said, is it luck? I feel lucky to be where I am. Mm. And I think part of that, a huge part of that is because of what Neil, Neil and Tom allows or have done for me, along with obviously the support of the, the, some of the key people at Design and Build. So when you became fully fledged business partners with Neil and not just Design and Build employees, <clears throat> were you both totally running at it at 100 miles an hour? Did either of you have hesitations? Well, I can't run 100 miles an hour, Pete. You know, I'm a bit older now, and I'm sure Tom can't either, to be honest. I feel like you're not taking this conversation seriously, <laughs> Andy. <laughs> Sorry. My sense of humour. Um, yeah, I mean, when Neil said it, it was... I, I'd been speaking, you know, referring to, you know, directorship, etc. else, and to get the opportunity to become a business owner. And in particular, when you didn't apply yourself in your younger years, and you sort of held on to that a little bit in terms of regret around schooling and you know, in, in your early 20s, and suddenly you get this opportunity to become an owner of this amazing business, which has had this amazing story. Yeah. Oh, my God. Like, I still remember the day when it ticked over to July 1st, 2017, and I was the proudest person alive. You know, I was just about to get married, and I'd just become a business owner. I was like, my God, this is wow. So, yeah, 100 miles an hour, million miles an hour. Mm. Granted, I wish I'd probably read the, you know, the, the contract a little bit more to, have to know how to get out of it, but you know, it's another story for another time. That, that took 12 months to do. So we do yeah, it you're listening. 12 months out. Yeah. So what advice, so go, go, going back to the concept of the podcast, it's all about <clears throat> you know, inspiring people. And uh, what's, what, what, what appears to be an interesting spin-off uh, of COVID is none of us will probably have, have guessed that this was going to happen, but there seems to be lots of little recruitment businesses popping up left, right, and center. Um, some of them are just, they've got clearly balls of steel and they just see it as the right time. Um, some of them are doing it because they might not have any choice, um, but they were going to do it anyway. They've lost their job. They're going to start their own business. Um, what advice would you give to anybody out there? Say, for example, I don't know, there's a couple of guys who have spun out from Hayes and say, right, they're going to go and, do their own thing together. What, what, what advice would you give to you know, young entrepreneurs who are going into business as business partners? What should they think about before they go on that uh, journey? I'm going to talk about it from a practical sense because that's me and Andy's the sales and sales and other side of things. I would say understand who's the yes and who's the no person. Because in our relationship, Andy's the yes person and I'm the no person. I'll remember that. I'll remember that when we're next in negotiating terms of business. Yeah. Guess who does the negotiation, I think. Uh, so that's fine. Um, but there is there's a yes and a no. Andy is very 
energetic, he brings massive passion for the industry, wants to do better, wants to do better in everything he does. Um, that's fantastic. New technology, new ways of doing things, new ways of looking at things. Whereas my job is to probably keep that within the parameters of what I think is an acceptable cost basis and or how we do business. So, and I think that happens in a lot of relationships. And I talked to Neil about some other business relationships he has outside of work. And he says, well, sometimes I am the yes guy, sometimes I'm the no person. Mm. And you've got to work out who that is. If you're both yes, your cost will blow out through the water and you'll take too much risk. If you're both no, none of you will take enough risk. And so therefore the business won't grow. So we talk about how Andy and I works. Andy is more akin to taking risk and he's wanting to grow quicker. And my, it makes me take more risk. So it makes me push things forward. And I think Neil's kind of the same as Andy in that way. So I'm taking more risk than is my normal down the line position. My job with that is to work out where the edges of that is to say, actually, but that's no to that. And when it's no, it's kind of tends to be a bit more of a firm no um, at times. So I think there's a really important role in that. You need someone who is going to take the risk and drive it. And, and lots of great business people who own businesses are really open to risk. And I think you've got to, if you want to scale something, definitely you have to have a want for risk in your life. If you want to work, and grow a, a 10 person recruitment business. I think the hardest thing is to grow from one to 10. Mm. I think if you've got two of you as a business partnership, it's probably easier to do that than it is one by themselves. If you're both pro risk and super risk, I think it's a, a real danger where you can both go off in your own directions. Whereas if one person is more the no person and is more that control, I think it can help set something that works really well as a partnership. Um, and I think that's the role I play and sometimes that's super frustrating when I'm the one who has to say no all the time. And sometimes it's really exciting because I'm being dragged onto something that we know is and it's time to do this risk. And COVID is a great example of that. When I, I spent hours on spreadsheets trying to model everything you can possibly think of over the last six, eight, ten weeks. Um, and then Andy said, no, if the right people come up, we need to hire the, the right people who can do the right thing for our business, we need to bring those people in. So my job is then to make the numbers work for that, which is interesting. Um, but it means we've got great people. We've had a great person start in Melbourne. We've got a great person due to start in Sydney in the next two weeks. We've brought a marketing person in. We're talking to an L&D person. We've got this opportunity as a business, I think. Um, and they bring that element of risk that I wouldn't bring myself. Andy? Again, he's got that bloody bit of paper Nailed behind it. his screen, hasn't Nailed he? It. Uh, but no, any, Tom any, was right. Any, anything that you say now will just be crap. Relatively, <laughs> really. Um, no, but as Tom alluded to at the start, you know, the, the yes and no is certainly, I completely agree with, and I'm very much driven, you know, let's do this, let's do that, and Tom pulls me back. Um, the other thing I think that's worked really well in terms of Tom and I's relationship, and I think any business partnership is the, the whole ego thing. Um, believe it or not, I've, I've generally got quite a high ego. Um, you know, I've got a level of confidence in myself, in my abilities, but at the same time, you know, I can also get hurt relatively easy. I think when you've got a high ego, anything that happens that you don't like, you, oh, that's terrible, you're whatever. Yeah. Whereas I think, you know, in a relationship like this, you've got to put your ego to one side and be able to say, well, what's right for the business? What's right for what we're looking to achieve in three, five years? It's not about what's, what's in it for you, it's about what's in it for the team and the business. Um, and I'm saying that's a very, you know, as I mentioned earlier, not every partnership's going to work if it's all about what you want from it. And in fact, no, no partnership works because of that, because eventually they end whether or not it's personal or professional. 
So mm. again, you've kind of got to sit down and eat with each other and say, okay, well, what is it that we're trying to achieve? What is it that we want to achieve? Where's that sort of middle ground? If there is, has to be a middle ground. Um, and then, you know, when things don't necessarily go the way that you want, you don't hold on to it. You don't bear ill will. You don't bear grudges. You just get on with it and just accept that that's what it is, it's about. Um, and at the same time, when you have made mistakes and you have popped up, just own it. Don't mm. don't ignore the, the cock ups. You know, many times I've called Tom and said, "Yeah, sorry about this morning." Um, and that was about an hour ago. I called him and said, "Sorry about this morning." Um, so, so have that, and then um, you know, again, I think as you go through growth, um, have a bit of a sense of humour as well. Obviously, you know, I try and laugh at many things, including myself, many a time. But I, I think in in any relationship, in any growth straight stage of your business you know, have a good sense of humor because predominantly most of the time you're going to make some great decisions, but you're also going to make some absolute shockers as well. Um, and you've got to kind of look back at them and go, mm, couldn't have done that. Um, and then you're probably going to do it again. So that sense of humor is needed with each other and just understanding that you're not perfect. You know, you've both got your frailties, you've both got things going on in each other's lives and you've got to remember that. And I think Tom, when he had Fern and Helena, the business was going through considerable change mm. and he needed support and you've got to be able to support each other. You know, you're not, you're not actually 100 miles an hour all the time, are you? I mean, let's be fair, if people ran 100 miles an hour all the time, they'd be, it wouldn't last. It'd be a sprint, wouldn't it? Yeah. And so sometimes you've got to pull back a little bit and hold on to your teammate and it's sort of like a relay, a constant marathon. Mm. Um, so being able to just to hand that baton back and say, hey, right, okay, you drive now and I need a bit of a rest because we are human beings and we that's go a, through. I think that's a good analogy. In life. I, think that's a good, I think that's a good analogy. The, the, the handing the baton piece. Yeah. Yeah. Just wish there was more than just Tom and I, because we're crap at the relay, aren't we? Really? Let's, <laughs> yeah. let's be honest. Every now and then both of you drop the baton. <laughs> that's, what we're we're that's where Kelly comes in handy. Um, <laughs> Kelly definitely comes that's in handy. For that. So, yeah, well, that's so, good, again, no, that, that's, thank you. Thank you for your candor. It's, it's, it's genuinely, genuinely lovely to hear uh, that this is a friendship and it's a friendship that's working in business and uh, and you look out for each other um you know when you're both in your early 60s andy you'll be there for tom when he's getting his first hip replacement and it'll be, it'll be lovely <laughs> so thank you boys thank you very much it will be it will be remiss of us not to talk about this um this very frustrating global pandemic that you may have heard of <clears throat> it's uh that's giving us all a bit of a headache. Um, how have you guys reacted to it in terms of what, what how how's design and build and PSP changed? What, what, what have you implemented to make sure that your, your people are getting through this uh, as safe and sound as you can get them through it? I think it's been the biggest learning point and the hardest thing. Like uh, we've talked about other GFCs, and the other GFCs, you're having a really bad week, and people are really struggling. You can take them out for a beer, you can buy them a burger at lunchtime. Yeah, and that inability for that face-to-face -face human contact has been really tricky, and I think trying to replace that over as many different forms as you possibly can is difficult. Mm. I think we took a, an approach at the beginning of it all to be patient, not rush our decisions, and I think there's been various commentary on this from various different people. I think we've done better than some for doing that and for, for actually not feeling like we have to rush into making a decision now that has to happen and really trying to think through what was going on and, and trying to make sure that when we did make a decision, we could communicate the why to the team, what we're looking to do, what we're looking to achieve from it, 
we've tried to really outline to people what it looks like as we come back through at each stage. And obviously we can only do that to a point um, with the government making a lot of these decisions, but if we can give certainty in any form at all to people at the moment, I think people hang on that. And so so mm. our job as leaders, I think, is to try and give the certainty we can in what is uncertain world out for everyone else. So whenever we do anything, we try and work out what we're gonna do and are we able to do this for a sustained period of time? Or is this a change we're gonna make for a week again and we have to change it again? We wanna try and make the change and say, this is it. And we can do that for a period of time and we can outline it. We're gonna do this for this long. So you guys know that you can rely on that. Um, and I think that was a big part of trying to help our people. And it sounds small potentially, but for the feedback we're getting is they, they appreciated, they knew timeframes, what we were thinking and for how long we were thinking it, mm. um, to try and help with that. Yeah. Andy? Yeah, I, I, I add to Tom's comment, um, what we've really tried to be is very, true and authentic about where things are at in that there was no dressing it up it was tough and it was hard but we did everything we could to ensure people had clarity on what was needed you know in the first three months of covid and now the next three months of covid if you want to call it that um i think one of the things i'm proud of is we still have stuck very much to our plan around everything we do if we're not building trust and we're not prioritizing people then we're not going to do it so that hasn't changed we haven't suddenly gone you know what because it's covid we're, that doesn't matter anymore. That doesn't matter anymore. Standards don't matter. In fact, if, if anything, the standards have mattered more around doing the right thing by client, doing the right thing by candidate, and doing the right thing by colleague. Mm. And I think when, when we haven't done it in this particular time as well, it's the focus has been on, okay, we've got to talk about this. We've got to make sure we get this right because now it's more impo important than ever. Um, mm. So I, I'm proud of the fact that we haven't then gone you know what, it's crap, doesn't matter about those things, they don't matter right now. So, no, no, they matter more than ever. And the guys have been incredible in making sure that that's been adopted um, and ensured it's been followed along the way. And, mm. you know, one just hopes that, you know, maybe in four weeks, hopefully Melbourne comes out of this lockdown and hopefully Sydney doesn't. And like Tom said, um, and a lot of commentary around working from home, working, et cetera, else and yada, yada. But just to having people around you who are your friends, you've worked with people for years. It's not like it's just a, a working relationship these are human beings and recruitment of people business so just wanted to get around people especially in melbourne i generally just want to get a plane to melbourne and just be like come on guys let's go for a beer water or wine or whatever it is and just have a bit of time together um, mm. because it's been dearly missed that's for sure what if any silver linings <clears throat> have have cropped up in your business as a result of covid19 um, I think it's, it's actually interesting, like I said, I don't think we've necessarily changed our business plan. All it's done is brought forward the ideas that we wanted to execute, like Tom mentioned earlier, the learning development manager. We're probably a week away from putting that in place. And that's a great thing for us uh, and, the, and the business. Um, and the silver lining is not just for design and build a public sector people, but for everyone is now is the time for change because you can address what you want to address because there's no, not so much noise around the industry. And you know, we're winning more exclusive work and retain work than we've ever done because we can now turn to our clients and say, well, look, you've only got four hires to make in the next 12 months. So let's slow this right down and do it properly. Whereas clients two years ago, it was like, we need 40 people. It's like, well, you're going to do that. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's actually managed to slow everything down a bit and it make people think about finding the right person for the right role at the right time. So the silver lining realistically is, 
it's better to have only 12 jobs in a court and fill 12 than have 36 and fill six. Yeah. So, you know, it's, that's probably a silver lining for Martin. And we've seen that in design. We've seen consultants, their job to placement's gone from three to one to like 1.5 to one. That's not a bad thing at all. Everyone's getting a better experience because of it. That's a silver lining. Yeah, I think experience has taught us the ability to look at process, try and look at what we're doing well, what we're not, and be really honest about what we're not doing well. We definitely do stuff that we can do better. There's things in every step of what we do that we can do better. And this has been probably the most amount of time that you've had to think about it in one go, because there's been no travel. There's not been, from our point of view, we've not been mad hiring, which we've done for the last six years. We've been growing the team, growing the team. We've not done that. So we've actually had more time to look at, okay, where are we going to get the wings? How can we help our consultants more deliver better outcomes? We've traditionally been big on marketing and advertising and filling the funnel up with thousands of thousands of people at the top end. Is that working for us? We don't think so necessarily. So, so how do we change that? How do we make sure that, every experience is better. And, and as an industry, I think that's on the recruitment industry. How do we make the experience better for our clients and candidates every step of the way? And if we do that as an industry, we'll improve and our reputation continues to improve. And I think it has improved and it is continuing to improve. And you can see other, other companies out there that are doing an amazing job. Um, and we need to learn from those companies. And I think we'd be foolish to think we're the best at what we do. There's some brilliant examples of other companies um, out there that you can really look at to see what you can do better and I think we spent a fair whack of time over the last six months really looking at them who's doing a better job than us with temps and what are they doing and why is it working mm. who's doing a better job of marketing out there than us and what are they doing and how's it working and I think the industry there's some amazing technology coming through there's some amazing people doing fantastic things we want to learn and I think we've had probably more time to focus on that in the last 18 weeks than we have probably in the six years before that, which is great. Now mm. the proof's in the pudding, isn't it? If we don't implement it, we don't do the work, we've got no one else to blame. And mm. obviously Andy's fault first and then secondary, my fault after that. So um, things we've got to do. Yeah. Yeah, you touched on an interesting point. I think I think if there's anybody in the or anybody out there who 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 doesn't use this as an opportunity to look in the mirror, uh, personally and professionally and just you know have a, have a good hard look and a, and a deep old think about how they can improve as a, as a, as a person as a professional as a recruiter if, if people aren't doing that then you know they're missing an opportunity they really are because it's the perfect time to take stock and uh, you know I'm certainly trying to do things in my life that probably would have been neglected because I was too busy um, and I think I think we as a uh, as, a, as an industry are doing that or, or we should be i can't remember who it was but somebody somebody said something the other day i need to try and find it it was something like when all said and done we need to be able to look in the mirror and ask yourself the question are you proud of how you reacted to covid um are you proud of you know what what you did to get through that time did you bury your head in the sand or did you did you improve and attack and uh and move on sounds like you boys are doing the latter Hopefully, hopefully, yeah. And how are you both doing personally? Just just before before we uh, kind of wrap this up, because I know you both got kids, uh, young kids, and uh, that can't be easy on, on top of everything else. Well, yeah, I mean it was a terrible time to have a baby. I mean, let's be fair. Especially, he literally arrived three weeks early. So on the eleventh of March, we're literally uh, 
I remember getting phone calls from Tom and Alex that day saying that this COVID thing is getting a little bit curly. I was like, well, he's just arrived. I was like, well, look, we're going to have to get on the phone and talk about this. And then every, Tom mentioned earlier about, you know, we set a process and that was going to be it. That process changed about every four hours yeah. in that two weeks. But um, look, I've been home for, was home for 14 weeks during the first 14 weeks of my son's life. Not yeah. many dads or secondary carers have had that opportunity. So, oh, amazing. Silver lining. I'd like some sleep, but, you know, that, that'll come. I got four hours last night. I feel like, I feel like amazing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, How about you, Tom? Right. You okay? My, no, I'm doing good, yeah. My neck goes the same as that. I've done probably more bedtimes, more baths um, for my daughter in that this time than I have in the rest of her life, um, which has been fantastic. And she's at a great age from my point of view. She's talking, she's walking, she's running around. So um, although the second I walk out of my office, I tend to get sent back to my office by my daughter. So I'm not sure that, what that means. No dad, uh, back to office. <laughs> no money for us, dad. Um, so yeah, that's been an interesting... Uh, interesting couple of weeks for sure but um yeah i think it's it's been great and i think i definitely don't miss the commute every day um as much as i miss the office environment yeah. don't miss being sat in an airport lounge waiting to go on another flight to sydney or brisbane um on, up and the day that is the day trip to sydney which is sort of 15 hour days is definitely not missed and i think i'm not the only one who'll say that but hopefully there'll be less of that coming when it all comes back out but who knows yeah. There'll always be some reason for me to be in Sydney, I'm sure. So. Well, lads, thank you so much. It was uh, it was it was it was worth the wait. Um, you know, you made you made me wait months for this this conversation, but it was worth <laughs> it. Thank you for your candor. Thank you for your your honesty and your and your banter. I have I have no doubt that when uh, the fog lifts, you boys will take design and build and, and PSP from from strength to strength and. Uh, yeah, I wish you all the best of luck getting through these next few months. Awesome. Thanks, Pete. Appreciate it. Cheers, boys. Thanks, Tom. <laughs> See you later, boys. See ya. Thank you so much for listening to the Recruitment Journeys podcast. Really hope you enjoyed it. Now, while we're passionate about bringing inspirational recruitment stories to our network via this podcast series... Recruitment to Recruitment is our bread and butter and our day job. So if you are a recruiter thinking about your next career chapter or your recruitment journey, see what I did there? We're always keen to have a confidential discussion with recruiters about what's going on in the market. So please feel free to contact me in the strictest of confidence on 0432 666701 or email me at pete at com. Thank you so much for listening. And please watch out for our next inspirational podcast interview coming very soon.